Hello everyone and welcome, welcome back to the Mastering the Conscious Feminine podcast. If you are new here, my name is Katie and on this podcast we talk about so many different life topics such as career, business, relationships, spirituality, and so much more. This podcast is really intuitively built out to give you guys the best messages for what is currently going on in the Conscious Collective. And today we are having a guest, Laura B. She is a health practitioner and her work really connects to mine with uh, my work involving a lot of energetics and hers being very physical. And we had such a great conversation uh, a while ago and we thought it would be amazing to share that with you guys. So let's welcome There we go. Oh, something happened. Technical difficulties. There we go. How are you? How are you? I'm doing good. I am so excited for this because as I was going through the introduction, uh, I was saying how our work both really uh, coincides with each other. Um, and we had such a great conversation the first time that we met up in person. Um, so before we get into all the good stuff and all the details, um, would you like to give a little bit of a more detailed introduction just of who you are and what you do as a health practitioner? Yeah, absolutely. So I am, like you said, a health practitioner in New Jersey. I have an office in some might call it central New Jersey, but it's North Jersey to me. So Jamesburg and then Haddonfield. So I have two offices. I deal with everyone, but my passion is preconception, fertility, pregnancy, and babies. So that is how our work aligns because you you do love those spirit babies. So <laughs> yeah, I am. I noticed how like each of us have a different um, journey towards getting to where we are within our within our niche. And so what inspired you to take the path of fertility and preconception? So I always knew that I wanted to work with nutrition. I didn't know in what capacity. And I kind of just stumbled upon this work. Um, I, I use a really niche system to address a person's bioindividuality called nutrition response testing. I use muscle testing. Um, but I was just... I got into the health space because I had my own health issues. And I think that most practitioners have the same story as me. They had, you know, whatever was going on for them. I, I was, I had depression, anxiety, all this stuff, chronic fatigue. Oh my gosh, chronic fatigue was huge for me. So I healed through the work that I do and the work that I bring people through now. And as far as fertility, I mean, I am personally going through my own preconception phase but it just kind of found me like I had a bunch of people on a program with me, either getting pregnant, like surprise <laughs> or <laughs> work on that. So they would come to me and I was like, well, I need to learn more about this. So I read all the books that I could. I went through my master's program in applied clinical nutrition and yeah, it's the short of it. <laughs> 
So it's like you, it's like you created your program and then it was like a result of that almost. And that's kind of what, what pushed you to start learning about it more? Yeah, because I was very general. Like I did not have a specialty. And then I kind of just discovered this passion seemingly for no reason. Um, it just kind of came to me and I just learned as much as I could about it. I'm still learning. There's so much, so much to, that goes into it. Mm-hmm. That is so awesome because especially right now from uh, from my there went the camera for a second from uh, my perspective as an intuitive and psychic medium we are currently in a phase where actually a big group of souls that are coming in to earth are highly intuitive highly intelligent but for them to come in our inner temple has to be the best that it possibly can. Yeah. So when you're leading women through uh, through nutrition and um, getting them uh, on the best possible path for their goal, what are some of the first steps that you take? I know that you do nutrition response testing. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so what does that entail and how do you kind of go from there? First, everyone is different. So two people could come in wanting to work on the same things. And if I weren't using muscle testing or not looking at through, not looking at it through a bioindividuality lens, I could just give them a blanket protocol and it would, it might work for one person. It might not work for the other. So I'm really looking at a person's body holistically to see what is going on in their system, what's causing stress, what organs are stressed out, and then seeing how we can support the body. Um, as far as preconception, like I really think that two years minimum is what we need to prepare for pregnancy because our society and our culture is not set up to support our body for maximum health. And even if you're not looking to conceive, fertility is a marker of your overall health. So you want to support your fertility even if you don't want children. Mm -hmm. I, I always heard that like three months was like the time frame. And then when we talked and you were like, oh, it should really be two years. That was like, I don't know. It was like a game changer, just uh, not for if you're conceiving, but just for overall health to think that like two years would be needed to get your body to uh, the best point that it possibly can be at. So uh, during that two year time frame, what do you uh, typically, uh, recommend for clients within their own personal journey for how they can start getting their body in the best shape? Does it involve like a detox? Do you also recommend a, an exercise plan? How do you go through that process? Always detox because we live in a toxic world and that's true for everyone. And I think the most common thing that I see as a, as in terms of a barrier for fertility and conception would be heavy metals and environmental toxins. So mercury being one of them, aluminum, it could be like pesticides, anything like that puts stress in the body and your organs aren't going to function properly. Your, your reproductive system is not going to be at its best. Your hormones are going to be all out of balance. So really detoxing that 
eliminating the source of them as much as possible, filtering your water, buying organic when possible, that's gonna be really important uh, for maximizing your fertility. And anyone can do that at any time. Like you can start doing that now and I recommend doing that. It's the first place you should start because you can do that easily with small things without needing me in your corner to tell you what you should do. I, I know that it's very confusing in terms of like personal care products, labels, what you should buy, mm -hmm. what you should buy, but at least starting with clean air and clean water is really key. And then in terms of a personalized detox protocol, you need a practitioner to lead you through that because it can be I don't want to say dangerous, but there's a safe way and a not safe way to detox. And it depends on what your body's mm -hmm. ready for. So I'm assessing, is your lymphatic system draining properly? Are your drain all your drainage pathways open? And when we deal with that, then we can start with the heavy hitter detoxing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, because I can only imagine, like, if someone just jumps into a detox, then it's going to be uh, much more draining on the body rather than seeing uh, what needs to open up beforehand so that way things can exactly. flow through. Exactly. So when we talked one-on-one uh, -on -one, um, about like your own uh, personal journey with your uh, reproductive health, um, you can go uh, as little or as in-depth as, as you want to about that. Um, but how did you go about healing your, uh, your womb from from a place of nutrition and with what you do? Oh, I mean, I've been doing this work for five years and I'm still working on things. And that's why I say start as early as possible for preconception. But I was diagnosed with PCOS when I was 16. I no longer have that diagnosis and I was never on any medications for it. I handled it completely naturally. So I mean, it's just going through layers, and that's why I think that muscle testing and assessing it th from person to person is so important because it's going to be different for everyone. I could tell you exactly what I did, but it's going to be different for you. Um, and I, honestly, it's been, like I said, five years, so I don't even remember all the layers that I do. <laughs> but dealing with parasites, really important. Like I said, those heavy metals, I have uh, fillings, mercury fillings, which are releasing mercury into my system pretty much at all times, especially when I'm biting down and drinking hot liquids. So that is going to be a priority of mine to get them out. If you have metal fillings, it's kind of hard to bypass those without dealing with them. And I know that it's expensive. It's like $500 per tooth to get them out. So I've already gotten two out. So I think that for me, getting my mercury fillings out was really important. Um, and then just supporting my body. We're so nutrient deficient. Then that's why I think that supplementation is important because our food supply is not as nutrient dense as it once was. So yeah, I mean, there's just so much, so much that I could talk about. <laughs> well, to break it down and make it like a little bit easier, um, like for the sake of conversation, what would you say are some of the top nutrients that are really beneficial for womb health? It depends on the goal. If you are experiencing heavy cramps, I know that magnesium 
most people are deficient in magnesium. So I, I, if you're getting a good quality magnesium supplement, it never hurts to supplement with magnesium. Um, but I see a lot of eicosanoid imbalance. That's what causes the heavy cramps. So make sure you're building the blood. Um, getting sufficient iron is really important if you have uh, heavy bleeding. Um, yeah, and that's why I assess pers each person, person to person, because everyone is so different. Everyone has different mm -hmm. things. Um, but in general, the magnesium is really important. Hemp oil can be really helpful with the cramps, if that is something that's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much that goes into all of this. And I definitely agree about how our, our food supply is not as nutrient dense as it should be. And just the overall lifestyle, um, specifically like in the US where, you know, uh, everyone needs to go to Starbucks every morning and we don't really, we don't food prep or miss a meal and whatever it is. Um, and then uh, we end up with women who are having issues with their menstrual cycle and the solution that doctors are recommending is to get on birth control for example and i really want to get into that because this topic personally triggers me i don't know about you <laughs> but that's like a no-no solution I have oh. my I have my intuitive opinion on it, but I want to hear your medical opinion on it first. Okay, so I always tell people that I have my professional opinion on birth control and then my personal opinion on birth control. Um, my professional opinion is there is a time and place for hormonal birth control if it can alleviate a lot of people's symptoms short term. My issue with that is that it is a Band-Aid solution and it will not balance any hormonal issues. If your goal is just birth control, I need people to know, to know that you have options and hormonal birth control is not the only thing that you can do to prevent a pregnancy. It, yeah, I was lucky enough to have a doctor who actually looked at me and I never hear the story it's always the same story that I hear in my clinic is my doctor d did not listen to any of my symptoms. The only solution they gave me was birth control to handle my heavy periods, to handle my acne, my, um, my mood swings. It's just birth control, which can make acne and mood swings worse. It actually increases your chances of getting diagnosed with depression and putting, getting put on antidepressants. So, yeah, I think the disconnection um, from our bodies is key here. And we live in a society that values the 24-hour cycle. We need to look mm -hmm. at it, scale back, and look at the big picture. We are cyclical beings with cycles. So your energy level is not going to be the same week to week because we're in different cycles of our different phases of our cycle. Mm -hmm. And I think that has a lot to do with our symptoms because we're not looking at, okay, I'm, I'm in my luteal phase. My body needs something different than it needed last week when I was ovulating. 
Mm -hmm. And then we're doing things that don't align with the luteal phase and that's going to cause symptoms later on when we have our period. It's going to cause cramps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I started really listening to that recently um, because I noticed that dairy hasn't been good for my body, specifically like cheese. And if I pack that in during a part of my cycle that is like, even if it's like during ovulation, then I will notice that my period will be so much worse because I didn't listen to what my body really needed. And um, I started like doing intuitive eating and things like that myself. So uh, going back to like, birth control because I have a personal story that I would love to share when I went on it the first two weeks I had massive amounts of energy like I would wake up six in the morning and be like ready to go and then after that it just switched to major anxiety to the point where it would not go away unless I opened up my window in 30 30 degree weather in New Jersey and stuck my head out the window. It would not go away. And luckily, after only a month, I was like, why am I doing this to my body? Why am I putting all this stress on my body? And I decided to come off of it. When I came off of it, it took another two years for the effects of that to completely go away. And, and just that kind of comes back to... What was that? For one month, being on it. Mm -hmm. Crazy. And uh, that kind of comes back to what you were saying about how we typically look for only the short-term solution or the band-aid solution rather than looking at what our intentions are behind it or how we can heal something from the root. Because when I got on it, when I got on it, I didn't have like any health issues or anything like that. But I do see that it's being recommended to a lot of women and young women too, to our, to the teenagers in our society. Um, uh, and part of what I hope to do in the future is to also educate like our young women about natural uh, fertility. And so how uh, do you present um, birth control from a non-hormonal way to the people that you work with? That's a good question. So I educate people. That's the only thing that I can do because I'm just here to consent to my patients and give them 100% of their options. So yes, birth control is one option. Hormonal birth control is one option. And then you have the non-hormonal. But then you also have condoms, the obvious, right? Mm-hmm. No, you work <laughs> if you, you know. Um, I personally use natural cycles. It's a form of natural family planning, if you want to call it that. It looks at your basal body temperature as well as cervical mucus, so you can determine when your fertile period is, and then you either use condoms during those or abstain. And I have been using it for two years. Never been on birth control, and I haven't been pregnant since then. <laughs> It is know the exact numbers, so don't quote me on this, but I believe it is as effective as um, hormonal birth control when used properly. 
So it's in the mm -hmm. 90% 90 effective range. Um, so that's an option because you have to really look at your whole health and the health of in your future. If you're going on birth control now because you don't want kids right now, know that birth control can affect your fertility later on in life. So is it healthy for you not to ovulate every month when ovulation is a, a marker of health? You just have to ask yourself these questions and make a decision from that and know that you have other options. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. This like all stuff that I wish I had like back in high school in health class, like, but it's not taught. But luckily we have platforms like this and social media and podcasts to start really talking about it. And yeah, I noticed that when my ovulation is healthy, my period is also healthy. Yes. So it's like the more, the more intense or off that they are, the more that I know that I'm putting things into my body that I really shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. um, and that can even just be like, I don't know, ice cream. Maybe I wasn't supposed to have ice cream the other night and now my ovulation's off. <laughs> oh, and people don't want to hear that, that one instance can affect your health. Like eating ice cream every once in a while is not going to kill you, but know that it could have consequences, even if you just do it one mm -hmm. time. Especially if you're super sensitive to that thing. Like, I know a lot of people are very sensitive to dairy, and I don't think that food sensitivities are true root causes because there's something happening in the body, in, in the immune system, that's causing you to react to these foods if it's a real food. I don't, I'm not telling you that there are no good and bad foods because... The Franken foods that people think, oh, you, you know, you can have this every once in a while. Like, that's not real food. Don't, processed food is not food. But um, I'm sorry, I'm getting off topic. So if you, I see a lot of people sensitive to the dairy and especially ice cream because it's the sugar and the dairy mix and it causes mm -hmm. the body. And then that's going to cause issues hormonally as well as energy-wise um, in your immune system as all these different effects. Mm-hmm. That's why I like to combine, uh, like, my own intuition with it as well. So that way I can kind of see, like, okay, does this feel like something my body needs? And if it's a no, then I choose something else. But going back to, like, natural family planning, something that I do from, uh, from like, my point of view that would really work well with, like, your... Uh, your medical perspective of it and how to go about natural family planning is actually communicating with future children. And I know I did like a reading for you when we met up in person and that was super fun and I love doing that. Um, but the fact that like we can communicate with them long before they come and timing can be like a big thing for people because we have our timing here on earth like oh one week one month one year etc and sometimes a soul can be like well uh, i'm not coming for like another three years and someone could be like oh but i want that to happen sooner yeah. or or with like or with like birth control if a soul is like well i want to come in like I don't know, eight months. And that person's like, holy crap, no, you're not. 
so we can actually communicate with them and like negotiate so that way they understand like listen there are these other things that I want to accomplish or that I want to do before you come in and this is why I'm asking you to push this timeline because when we communicate with the with the souls of our future children and they give us a timeline they're telling us that timeline from their perspective of us being in like our maximum potential, our maximum soul growth, like they just want the best for us. And as we go about our physical life, then those timelines can get longer, shorter, whatever the situation may be. But I think that would also be so cool to like incorporate with uh, this idea of like tracking the cycle because that handles the physical aspect of it. But then if we're using that to uh, prevent a soul from coming in uh, sooner, then if we know how to communicate with them and to help them understand why we need the extra time, then it's like, it's like energetic birth control. Like, hey, <laughs> I use my intuition, I communicate with them and it's all good. I know when things are gonna happen. Yeah, that is true and like you said, timelines are always shifting. So like one minute we could be sitting here and this is the timeline that we're given, but then the next minute something can change and then the timeline changes. So yeah, I think that is really interesting to combine those and also knowing the physical behind your cycle and understanding how the body actually functions to begin with is really mm -hmm. important for just body literacy knowing when you ovulate so you can get pregnant or can avoid it mm. yeah it's interesting to combine the the two mm -hmm. so what exactly are the four phases of the cycle like what happens in each phase uh, what's good for the body in each phase oh man i could talk a while on on each of these things so i'll be short about it there's four distinct phases of the cycle. Some people will, will argue that there's only two, but I say there's the menstrual, like, menstrual phase, which is obviously when you're bleeding, then the follicular phase, and it, the follicle is developing, hence follicular phase. And then you come to ovulation when you release that follicle. And then luteal phase is if you fertilize an egg and it implants this is the time that it would happen if not it is the time leading up to the menstrual phase when you uh get rid of that uterine lining mm. i've heard that there's different foods that benefit each phase of the cycle and i know you love to talk about like bio individuality and how it's different for like each person but is there anything that is like good for like everyone in general during each phase of their cycle? Yes, I actually have like a handout on this that I give to my patients. So I don't have it in front of me. So I, I can't remember exactly reference to this. Um, during the menstrual phase is really important to eat uh, heavy iron foods. So not just non-heme, if you're vegan, you might not like this, but ground beef is the best best thing that you can eat during this time so that you can replenish your iron stores when you're when you're bleeding. And say that same goes for the follicular phase. Uh, for the luteal phase, you're preparing, you're either 
implantation is either happening or you're getting ready to get into the menstrual phase again. So you either want to support, well, you do want to support progesterone. So foods that are high in vitamin C can help with progesterone production. Progesterone is the hormone that encourages implantation, progesterone, gesterone, gestation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you want to support the progesterone during those phases, the luteal phase, and ovulation. Citrus foods are good for that, too. (laughs) I've heard that one before. I like to drink, like, a bit of orange juice during that time. Yeah, you can acerola cherries are actually the highest in vitamin C, so getting a good quality vitamin C powder made from acerola cherries might be a good option for people who can't get enough vitamin C in their diet for Mm -hmm. foods alone. So of course, like when, like you mentioned the different, like the phase where implantation could be happening. And of course, that would be a time where we really want to take care of our body. But when the four phases of the cycle happen, so when the egg is not fertilized, um, uh, how does our diet like affect that, like affect the different phases of the cycle? Like what happens within the hormones if that egg is not fertilized, but we're still taking care of our body? Like how does it affect our overall health in that way? Yeah, so if an egg isn't fertilized and doesn't implant, then progesterone levels will decrease, and that is what triggers menstruation to happen. So if you have an imbalance between progesterone and estrogen, then you might higher, sorry, higher levels of symptoms like PMS or cramping. So taking care of your liver will help with that balance. Um, as well as supporting ovulation in general is important for preventing the PMS symptoms too. Because if you're not ovulating, if you're not having a high quality ovulation and your corpus luteum isn't producing that progesterone, first of all, implantation might be difficult. Second, you might get those PMS symptoms like I was saying. So I would look up symptoms of low progesterone and see if those align with the symptoms that you're experiencing right now or high high estrogen versus progesterone. There's different types of estrogen dominance that I can get into later. But really, it's in, the key part of this is to support ovulation. Because if you're not ovulating, like I said, then you're not producing progesterone, then you're not having that proper balance of estrogen to progesterone, and then you're going to experience symptoms. Mm. So I've heard that with ovulation, there's like different ways to track it, like our body temperature, cervical mucus, Um, can you go into those different types of methods and if there's one that you recommend the most, because sometimes like our period tracker cannot track ovulation the right way. Yeah. Don't get me started on period trackers. I actually have a video. (laughs) (laughs) I do. If you go to my page, you can read or listen to my video about period trackers. But if you're using anything like, I know clue is a big one and just tracking your period you cannot accurately predict and confirm ovulation using that unless you're using other things like LH tests or um, at-home progesterone tests to confirm ovulation afterwards or the basal body temperature or cervical mucus. So let's break those down. 
The LH test can predict ovulation. The increase in LH triggers ovulation. So if you get a positive LH test, that can predict that you're going to ovulate within 24 to 48 hours. It does not confirm ovulation and doesn't mean that you definitely ovulated. So ways to confirm ovulation would be, like I said, the at-home progesterone test. Um, what is the brand? Prove P-R-O-O-V is a good option. So you take that about a week after your fertile period to confirm the ovulation. My favorite way to do that is basal body temperature. So after you've ovulated, your temperature will spike because the progesterone makes your body temperature higher. So once you see that spike in temperature, you know you've ovulated. And if you become pregnant, it'll stay elevated. And then if you don't, it'll dip again. And then that dip in temperature will trigger menstruation. Mm, okay. Ways. Um, my favorite, like I said, is the basal body temperature. Mm, okay. Yeah, I didn't, I, I actually didn't know about that, that the body temperature spikes mm -hmm. after ovulation. That's interesting. That could explain why sometimes my skin, like during that time gets like really hot, <laughs> yeah. but then I'm really cold on the inside. <laughs> Um, I've personally like been familiar with the cervical mucus method. Like, I don't know. I just noticed if there's, if there's more of it, then I'm having like a healthy ovulation because I'll notice a healthier period. And then if there's less, I'll notice that my period is heavier because that ovulation wasn't as, um, as potent. Uh, so I've also uh, heard that getting really good exercise during ovulation helps. Um, mm -hmm. Do you know anything uh, like about that, like the type of exercises and if that benefits ovulation? Yes. So I this is not my specialty at all, exercise. Just want to <laughs> But you can cycle sync with every single thing in your life. You can cycle sync with food, exercise, lifestyle, literally everything. So during ovulation is when you have, when you should have a peak in energy. So that means you could be doing hit exercises, you know, hitting those high PRs, heavy weight training, um, running, stuff like that. It changes throughout your cycle. So if you're really in tune with your body, you'll notice that you'll have high energy during ovulation, and that's when you want to do the high-intensity workouts. Versus menstruation, when you have your period, your energy is going to be the lowest, and you really don't want to be, unless you really feel drawn to it, you don't want to be doing the same exercises you're doing during ovulation. You want to be doing, like, yin yoga, lighter weight training, um, low PRs, stuff like that. Mm. So we talked a lot about like preconception, reproductive health in general. Now let's go to uh, what happens if someone does conceive. I've been thinking about this a lot recently because part of what I do as um, an intuitive and a psychic is sometimes I can look into the energetic root behind different symptoms in the body. And, you know, we hear with, uh, with pregnancy, like, nausea is normal, being tired is normal. But is there an underlying reason behind that? Like, is there a way 
to lessen those or to even not have those at all? I think so. I think that there's a reason for most symptoms. So energetically, I have seen people say that if you're experiencing nausea, it's kind of like not a rejection of being pregnant, but like mm-hmm. fear behind it. Like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know if I actually even want this. Like that is the energetic tie to nausea. Physical, of course, there's always an energetic and a physical reason. There's going to be different reasons why people are experiencing morning sickness or nausea during pregnancy. I see a lot of gallbladder issues. Um, and do you know what emotions are stored in the gallbladder? No, I don't. Look that up because I'll, I'll be interested to see the correlation between, because I know fear is stored in the kidneys. And Oh, I didn't know that. Kidney stones are actually kind of common during pregnancy, which the fear in the kidney stones could have a connection there. Um, you know, you can have low stomach acid. You might not be digesting your foods properly. It could be a nervous system issue, an autonomic nervous system. So these are all the things that I'm assessing when someone comes into my office and they, they come with these symptoms. So I'm looking at gallbladder, stomach acid, all these things. Mm, okay, yeah. Wow, that's that's really freaking interesting. Um, I didn't I didn't even know that like fear was stored in the kidneys. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna look more into that. Um, but another reason why I was really thinking about this is because um, spiritually and energetically, when a soul decides that they want to come in for like the first trimester, maybe a little bit into the second, they kind of pop in and out between like the physical and the spiritual. Like it doesn't mean that they left or anything like that. It's just they're getting a feel for their environment. And I was just thinking uh, like, I don't know, last week or something, I wonder if communicating with them also lessens the symptoms because part of part of that work on an energetic level is also releasing, uh, releasing trauma, releasing fears, releasing just emotions in general. So I'm curious to see like if that, if that connects, but especially now that you mentioned, um, like where those different emotions are stored, it kind of all makes sense, which I think is super interesting. Um, and I was also, uh, I also have a theory that that things like nausea and vomiting are basically like the soul being like, hey, you need to detox all this crap because I'm going to be here for quite a while. <laughs> so if you haven't done now, please do. Well, I definitely would think, I think that from an immune system standpoint, if you're exposed to something, whether it be like a toxin or a food poisoning, whatever, vomiting is a way of purging and detoxing, of course. So that's an interesting connection. I don't know. Hmm. I would love to hear if anyone has experience with that because I don't, I don't have personal Yeah. If anyone watching has that experience or anything, please share. Um, I also want to open this up for questions to everyone who's watching. So if you're watching this live and you have questions about womb health, reproductive health, um, spirit babies, which is my specialty, and Laura does a lot of physical work, so we can give like a nice balanced answer to any questions 
that you have. So we'll see if any questions come through. But while everyone's sending in their questions, I want to wrap this up with what do you see your work doing for society? I know that's a big question, cool. but if you could, uh, if you could envision like a one-year goal, for example, in your work, what do you see yourself doing? How do you see clients feeling? Kind of like a snowball effect. Uh, how do you envision all that? Okay, so I always tell people that my favorite thing about working with preconception is that we're starting. I want to raise the next generation healthier than we were raised. Mm. The best way to do that is I first thought was working with babies, but then I was like, wait a second, let's take it a step backward. Before that, preconception is the best way to do that because we are really supporting the body to produce grow as healthy people, babies as possible. So I think that this, the ripple effect of my work and your work it will be huge. So it's hard for me to uh, really narrow it down and put it into <laughs> one year versus yeah. long term. Cause I really do see the big picture more than I see the short term. But the big picture I would think is just raising babies that are as healthy as possible because mm -hmm. I, my children to be to experience the things that I had not had to experience but that I did experience in terms yeah. of the, and it was no one's fault but it is our responsibility to make it better for the next generation mm -hmm. I 100% agree I kind of like when when I envision like the way you talk about your goals with the work and like me with my work I kind of see like I'm like uh, the wizard, like guiding all the all the little souls to earth while you're helping everyone get there, get their body ready, get them going, get them excited. And then it all just comes together. So I had like a random question come to mind before we wrap things up. I see a lot that a lot of babies are getting like really colicky. Um, I have a younger cousin who uh, was really, really bad with uh, with colic. So what is the root behind that? Is that a nutrient thing? Is that something that stemmed from the pregnancy beforehand? Oh, every, I think everything. So there's never just one root cause for anything. It's always a compilation of all the stressors that we have come in contact with, whether it be physical, emotional, mental, whatever. So if that person were to come into my office, there's a few questions that I would ask them, like, were you exposed to heavy metals and toxins during your pregnancy? The answer should be yes, because we breathe it in. So that is one question that I'll ask. Are they breastfed or formula fed? Because that will have an influence on their current health and their future health. Were they C-section? Were there any interventions during birth? Uh, all these things I need I need so that I can give a, an accurate answer and help people uh, overcome those things because, yeah, there's just so many different reasons why babies would be colicky. I know. Mm, okay. 
that's my answer for everything, but it's the truth. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's never one thing. It's like right. there's this, which connects to that, which led to that. And But luckily, like, we're gaining the knowledge as a public society um, and with social media, luckily, more and more people are having access to this information to better their health and their kids' health. Um, so, Laura, I really want to thank you for being a guest on this podcast. I feel like there was such a nice balance between your knowledge of the physical and the mind of the spiritual and giving, like, two different perspectives that also align on these topics. Yes, it's much needed, I think. <laughs> yes. So uh, thank you to everyone who tuned in live. Um, this is going up on IGTV. It'll be up on Anchor, which is like a multi-podcast streaming platform. Um, so everyone keep a lookout for that. Laura, it was so nice talking to you and having you on. And I hope you have a really great rest of your day. You too. Thanks for having me.